Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When the disciples left Jesus that night that he was going to be betrayed, Peter went and he denied the Lord three times. Where was Peter when he did that? He was all alone. He separated himself. When David was in the kingdom and he went out to take a look one night and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And the next thing we know, he commits adultery. Where was he that night? All alone. Where was Eve? Alone. Alone is not the way you're built to be. It's rare that you learn something by only going over it one time. It usually takes repetition to really get information to stick in your memory. Many times the learning doesn't take place in the lecture hall. It happens when you're with your friends studying. You have a chance to pick each other's brains and fill in the gaps in your memory. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that it's the same in the church. Many times. The Sunday meeting is similar to a lecture in that the flow of information goes one direction, from the pastor-teacher to the listener. You'll hear about a way to get godly messages deeper into yourself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 13 as he continues his message, Spiritual Fruit, Connected Disciples. Together, and I alone don't work. You can't say in this chair, together. It doesn't work. It doesn't even make any sense. So how did the early church function? Now remember what happened in the early church. As they got going, there was 120 in the upper room. And pretty soon there was thousands from all different nations. They didn't know each other. What will we learn? Let me read it to you. You don't need to turn there. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, 120 of them, they were all, come on now, I told you what to do. They were all together in one place. So they're a small group, 120. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. So this group of thousands began to meet in a kind of like a church setting. They didn't have any buildings, so the thousands of people met together. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together together with glad and sincere hearts. Look at verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now turn to Acts chapter 5. You see, the disciples did learn that you can't do life alone. You can't do I alone and do life. They had to get connected with people they didn't even know. But God began to make them a family. Now notice the early church, you're going to see in verse 42, Acts 5, 42, the early church practiced being connected, I connected, 
and they practiced loving one another. It wasn't an emotion. It was an action. Look at verse 42. Day after day, in the temple courts, in a big setting like we're doing right now, and from where? House to house. Small, small settings. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So how did the disciples learn to do that, to break them up from large settings to small settings? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus would teach to the 5,000. That evening, he'd get his 12 aside, and he'd say to them, "Um, what'd you learn today? What'd you hear in my teaching? Explain it to me. And that's where they were discipled. And that's where they would say to Jesus in a private setting, we didn't understand at all what you just said out there. Explain to me. And that's where they learned it. So verse 42 is a picture of this. The church in big settings, just like we're doing right now. And then small settings. That would give people in a small setting. See, right now, by and large, this is all what? This is all a monologue. I'm just spewing out information for you. So you to kind of ask the Lord to put it down in your heart and stick it, whatever. But in a small group, what is it? It's dialogue. And so as that happened, these guys understood what was taking place. Now, Jesus knew this principle, I know this principle, and the early church knows this principle. Write it down. Life change happens best in small groups. Understand, spiritual change definitely happens in my personal Bible study. There is a time in your life to get I alone. That's your quiet time in the morning. My wife isn't with me in my quiet time. My new puppy isn't with me, if I can help it, in my quiet time. Because if she's there, there ain't no quiet time. So I close the door. This is where I get eye alone with God. Amen? He speaks to me, and I speak back to him. There is a time. We are here. We're growing together in this big setting. But by and large, most spiritual change happens in a small group. Now, that can be a million different looks, and I'll explain more of that to you later. Let me read this from Chuck Swindoll. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super-capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without playing that silly role. You see, as I'm talking, some of you have a million excuses right in front of you. I'm not opening up. I'm not getting a smoke. He can talk all he wants. I don't care what Jesus said. Forget it. I've been hurt. I'm not going to get rid of anybody. I don't need it. Forget it. But you are wrong. Pastor Mark, that's my personality. You are wrong. I want you to write these down. Even if that's you and you're looking at me with an evil eye, that's okay. I understand it. Here's what you want to write down. Every person, see, God made us this way. Every person wants to belong, to be needed, to be known, and to be loved. There's no exceptions. There's absolutely no exceptions. Now, the only time that can be exception, if you're in really clinical depression. And a lot of that happened, you know why? Because spiritually, you found your way lost. And of course, we can help you with drugs and all kinds of things. God can deliver you of that. But a person that's thinking normally is not a person that isolates himself ever. 
Nothing good happens when you isolate yourself. Nothing good happens. When you isolate yourself, think about this. When the disciples left Jesus that night that he was going to be betrayed, Peter went and he denied the Lord three times. Where was Peter when he did that? He was all alone. He separated himself. When David was in the kingdom and he went out to take a look one night and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and the next thing we know, he commits adultery. Where was he that night? All alone. Where was Eve? Alone. Alone is not the way you're built to be. Now, I'm going to give you a story today. I can't tell you the details. I can't tell you the city. But I can say this. In the last two years, Linda and I experienced this personally on the other part of the world. Here's the story. And then I'm going to apply it to us here. You're a Christ follower. You belong to a great church with about 500 people. You're in a country that's not Christ-friendly. Your pastor teaches the word, and the church is just exploding. Then one day, everything changes. You hear something that seems to be absolutely unbelievable. Your pastor is in jail for no reason. You walk by the church that you've been attending, and there's yellow tape around the whole church building. It has been totally shut down permanently. Now you have no church. You have no pastor. You have no one to teach you how to grow spiritually. And I'm going to add this because it was in essence true there. There's no other churches you could go to. There's no Christian media you can access. You can't have internet, hear other pastors, MP3. You have none of that. All you have is your Bible. Now, I know some of you are already saying, Pastor Mario, nice story. It would never happen in America. You know, I just read this morning that Boeing successfully tested a new missile that destroyed, when they sent it into the air, you destroyed every piece of electronics. Gone. Oh, they got my MP3? Gone. Got my Gone. Couldn't happen? <laughs> now, I'm going to take that story, which is true, and I'll tell you the outcome in a minute, but I want you to apply it to this church. And here's the three questions I want you to ask yourself. Without any pastor, without any church, without any media, and all you have is your Bible, you have no resources, there's no church you can go to, there's nothing you can get online, all you have is your Bible, no pastor, what would you, Calvary Chapel, do next? Number two. How would you continue to grow spiritually? And number three, how would you teach others and your children that are coming up? What would you do? How in the world would you do that? Now, let me tell you what did happen. Because Linda and I have been there many times. Today, the church is still closed. The pastor has been released from jail, but he's under house arrest for one year. The 500 people are meeting in 20 small groups. See, Pastor Mark, that's exactly what we said in our group. Not a problem. Yeah, there is a problem. I don't know the figure, but I would say this. 60% of you would not survive. 
Pastor Mark, what's wrong with you? 60% of you would not survive because you're not connected to any kind of a small group. You really don't understand the Bible, and you've decided to do life by attending church one or two times a month in a group setting, and I'm loving that you're here. But you would not survive. There's no way for you to survive. If that truly happened, no matter what you've just said, what would you do next Sunday? There's no church. There's no TV. There's no Charles Stanley. There's no Chuck Swindoll. There's no tapes. There's nothing. You don't know anybody. Say, well, Pastor Mark, thank you, but that'll never happen here. Be careful. I don't say that because of that, but we need to understand why we're here. We're not here just as a group of individuals. We're a body. I want you to see something very important. Here's a verse from Paul. Here's what he says. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church, you and I. We are all parts of one body, nationwide, but of course locally. Each has its different work to do. And since we're all one body, we belong to each other. And notice this, each of us needs all the other. You see, God designed the church to function as a family together in big settings like this. It's fantastic being together. But he also designed us to be in small group settings where we can get sticky, where we can receive the information. Now, here's what challenged me. Not only the scripture, when I read love one another, I went, oh, that's very hard in the United States because like, we're not really integrated. And then I was listening to a pastor. My son goes to a church, another state, bigger than us, but not significantly bigger. You know how many home small groups they have? 1,500. You average 10 in a group, how many people is that? That's 15,000 people meeting in small groups. I went, oh, me. <laughs> now, I'm not after that, but God began to speak to me. If we're ever going to be disciples, if we're ever going to do this thing right, we've got to get into small groups. So I want you to see some commands. And as you see these commands, there's over 50 one another commands in the Bible. One another and I alone don't work. So ask yourself as I read these, do you have anybody in your life other than your spouse that can do this? Are you around any group of people every other week, every three weeks? It doesn't matter. There's a lot of people that do 10-week study, then they wait for five or six weeks and do a 10-week study. That's great. Are you related to anybody when you have these things in life? All of our lives are messy. And these one another commands are given to keep us spiritually healthy. And watch. Here we go. Do love one another. We already talked about that. Receive one another. Greet one another. Pastor Mark, I do that one at church. Forget that. That's just a hi, how are you? Go on. Submit to one another. What's the biggest submit you could do for me today? Get sticky with what I'm talking about and get in a small group. Next, serve one another. Here's a big one. Confess to one another. Pastor Mario wouldn't do that over my dead body. Oh, your body will be dead. 
Now, that's not done in a group setting like this. That's basically done one-on-one. You know, have you ever confessed something to your wife or your husband? Sure you have. I confess sometimes to my accountability partner. Is that good for me? It's biblical. Is it humbling? Say yes. (laughs) Is it healthy? Yes, it is. But that's not really what happens in a group. Notice, forgive. Some of you won't go into a group because you've been hurt. Forgive them and get real. And here's the big one. Encourage one another. Where are you where somebody can speak a word of encouragement to you? Where in the world are you? Understand, we have to be connected. And Paul gave us the danger of not being. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews. We've got two more verses, a couple more things to say, and then we'll close. Hebrews chapter 3. If you get in some kind of a small group, then you're going to be able to see that these dangers are offset simply by the principle of being connected to other Christians. And of course, being connected to God. Verse 12. Paul is talking to a church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to a group of Christians. And he's warning them. Same warning that applies to us today. Notice what he says. See to it, in other words, pay attention, brothers slash sisters, that none, zero, of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, which results in what? Turning away from the living God. So Paul is warning these believers about a heart that gets hardened, a heart that sins, doesn't want to confess, and pretty soon these people who used to walk with God now are walking away from God. It doesn't happen like that. It happens because of the cares of this life and all kind of stuff comes up and the deceitfulness, you'll see the word deceitful in the next verse. All the kind of things happen. And before long, a person will say, and we see this in counseling all the time, they come in and they counsel and they sit across from us and they start telling this story and they say, kind of near the front, I don't know how I got here. This isn't where I want to be. How in the world did I get here? I can tell you how you got there. Your heart started turning away from God. Now some of you here in this campus, and Sebastian in Melbourne, and over there in Vera, even the work camp, you're in a process of becoming a prodigal. You're in a process of backsliding. You see, most people think, well, I'm a Christian. All you have to do is just kind of stay the case. No, no. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. I'm sorry. You're either going forward or you're in the process of backsliding. And the world will squeeze you into a mold and you will backslide. We'll give you an opportunity to turn it around. See, it doesn't happen like this. That's why people go, I don't know how I got here. That's the deception of Satan. So understand, Paul says, be careful. Be careful. Somebody can see what's happening in your life. Do you have anybody to confront you, to speak truth to you, to encourage you? Well, no, I'm not in a small group. And then he gives us a solution. Look at verse 13. But encourage, what's the next word? One another. See, you can't encourage one another sitting in the chair today. You have no idea what's going on in that person's life. That has to be in a small group setting. You can't get real here. But encourage one another. What's the next word? Daily. Come on, Pastor Mark, this guy like ridiculous. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's what? Deceitfulness. 
You see, Satan knows how to get us isolated. Because of the pace of life, the worries of this life, we get discouraged. The next thing we know, we've isolated ourselves. The next thing we know, our heart gets hard. The next thing we know, we've stopped growing in God and we think it's okay because we're not growing, we're just fine, but you're not, you're regressing. How can we stop that? Here's the solution. Paul just told us. I connected with other Christ followers. You see, is there anyone in your life other than a spouse that can come along and encourage you? Is there anyone in your life that can come along and give you a little spiritual kick in the behind and say, that's not who you used to be. What's happened to you? Is there anyone that loves you enough to confront you? Now, I know what some of you are saying, and you may come into a church that your pastor wasn't kind of in your face once in a while. And you're saying, Pastor Mark, that's none of your business if I'm in a small group or not. I beg to differ. I'm responsible, and the pastors and elders are responsible to a large degree for your soul. This is not something we do. I don't need any claps. This is not something we do as a job. And I've watched this for 50 years. If you don't get into a small group, In three or four years, you're gone from this church. You will isolate yourself, and pretty soon you're just gone. I've watched it over and over and over again. Is there anyone that can lovingly confront you? Say, well, I never need it. Yes, you do. I need it. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone and do what the Bible says we should do. Is there anyone that can say to you when you're with them in a group of two or three, what are you thinking? Is there anyone that can say to you, don't buy that. You're in debt. That's a crazy decision. Is there anyone that could say to you, don't date him or her? I just did many counseling sessions for the years. And people would say to me, I never consulted anybody when I decided to marry that person. Really? And why were they in my office? Because they're divorced. Understand, we deal with life every day. We see an end you don't want to see. It's multiplied by thousands. You're no different. I'm no different. We have to be in a place where we can learn to confront one another challenge one another. Say to a person, why are you watching that? You went to what? I'm not talking about legalism. I'm just talking about being smart. There's a time comes in your life when you will be all alone. You're either going to be standing before God as your savior or as your judge. I want you to be standing before your God as your savior. That's all we have time for today on Lessons for Living. This time in our nation's history is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. It can be confusing and stressful. We know you may be feeling alone. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mark today to study God's Word. We pray you found comfort in what you've heard. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. If so, we want to tell you more. Please take a few minutes and visit calvaryccm.com. There you'll find a tab simply labeled Jesus. This page will tell you all about the Savior of the world. 
and how you can be forgiven of all your sins right now. You can have a relationship with Jesus today, no matter what your past looks like. We pray today you choose to take this step of faith. If you'd like to talk to someone about this, or if you'd like someone to pray with you, please give us a call. Our phone number is 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. We also want to invite you to join us for our virtual church service this weekend. Join Pastor Mark on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. Or you can search for Calvary Chapel Melbourne on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Mark's messages now, those can be found on our website too. One more time, that's calvaryccm.com. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.